Mary Beth Finster and Julie Musselman. We are preparing to consecrate our lives to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We are using Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration. You can get your copies of this material at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are on day 21, which starts on page 81 of his book. Day 21 starts with Be the One with Mary. So in case the list of the 12 duties that we covered yesterday has got some of us feeling overwhelmed, today we're going to focus on a simpler way of remembering the essence of Mother Teresa's consecration to Mary. Be the One. Or more specifically, be the one with Mary. So what does that mean? The main clue comes from the offertory verse from Psalm 68, verse 21, for the Mass of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. And the psalm reads, My heart had expected reproach and misery, and I looked for one that would grieve together with me, and there was none, and I sought one that would console me, and I found none. Mother Teresa responds, Be the one. Be the one to console Jesus by satiating his burning thirst for love. And she writes, Tell Jesus, I will be the one. I will comfort, encourage, and love him. Be with Jesus. He prayed and prayed, and then he went to look for consolation, but there was none. I always write that sentence, I looked for one to comfort me, but I found no one. Then I write, Be the one. So now you be that one. Try to be the one to share with him to comfort him, to console him. So let us ask Our Lady to help us understand. Well, that last sentence is key to let us ask Our Lady to help us understand. We need Our Lady to help us understand the thirst of Jesus. She's the one who consoles him best. She's the spouse of the Consoler, the Holy Spirit. Through Mary, the Holy Spirit can help us understand what it means to be a consoler of the heart of Jesus. Let us try a special way to come as close as the human heart can come to the heart of Jesus and try to understand as much as possible Jesus' terrible pain caused to him by our sins and his thirst for our love. Thank God Our Lady was there to understand fully the thirst of Jesus for love. She must have straight away said, I satiate your thirst with my love and the suffering of my own heart. Yes, we can thank God for Our Lady. She teaches us to be the one with her, consoling Jesus on Calvary. She helps us to straight away say, Jesus, I satiate your thirst. But what exactly does this mean? What does it mean to satiate the thirst of Jesus? Two things, to console Jesus, the head of his mystical body, and to console him in the members of his body. How do we console Jesus, the head of the body? By being apostles of joy, which means to console the sacred heart of Jesus through joy. And we do this especially with Mary's joy. For Mother Teresa continues, Please ask Our Lady to give me her heart. Mary is the one who, despite her own trial of darkness, praises and thanks God in all things, smiles at Him and consoles Him with her love. It's simple and beautiful. Mother summarizes it by her trademark three virtues, total surrender to God, loving, trust, and perfect cheerfulness. Basically, it's to be a child with Mary smiling at Jesus and loving him from the foot of the cross. Now, how do we console Jesus and the members of the body? By recognizing their thirst. Everyone thirsts, rich and poor, young and old, believer and unbeliever. Everyone has a restless heart for God. 
To console Jesus in others is to respond to suffering, especially to the deepest, most universal suffering, the thirst of love. We should respond to this thirst in others, not with the indifference, but with gentle smile that says, I delight that you exist, and I too understand the pain of the thirst. Mother explains, The greatest evil is the lack of love and charity, the terrible indifference towards one's neighbor. People today are hungry for love, for understanding love, which is much better and which is the only answer to loneliness and great poverty. By accepting her own thirst, with, of course, Mary's help, and not running away from it, Mother Teresa could understand the thirst of others, both Jesus on the cross and Jesus in her neighbor. And she became a true apostle of mercy and joy, a true missionary of charity. Let's close today's prayer with, Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary. Help me to be the one to console Jesus with Mary. Amen. I'd like to point out that several of the quotes that we uh, read through in this reading for today, if you look in the footnotes of the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, Father Gately is quoting here the book, uh, Mother Teresa, Come Be My Light, The Private Writings of the Saint of Calcutta, and it's published by Doubleday. So we're actually reading the exact words that Mother Teresa herself had uh, written during her lifetime, and what a blessing that is to be able to not only read what Father Gately is saying about her, but to read her own words in this particular day as we're wrapping up week three and focusing on Blessed Mother Teresa. I think it's important too, Julie, that remind everybody that the three of us are reading the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. We're doing it in a very conversational way, and sometimes I even forget and think, wow, Mary Beth and Julie are really smart. And I go, oh, yeah, that's right, they're reading. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that um, this this day, um, it, it's been so wonderful because simultaneously I'm, I'm leading a small group. Actually, we're just doing it all together. I, I'm just participating. I just kind of hit play with the DVD. But we're about 10 or 12 of us are reading Consoling the Heart of Jesus. And this by Father Michael Gately, this is the second book in the series of um, looking at this uh, the Hearts of Fire, the Hearts of Fire Parish Program. Uh, looking at the, this is the second book in the Hearts of Fire Program. Um, the part where it, it talks about my heart is expect reproach. This is on page eighty one, and it says there was no one there, referring to Psalm sixty eight. This this discussion of consoling the heart of Jesus. First, Father Michael Gately, he goes on in one of his DVDs during this series to explain how difficult it was. He, he had to figure out whether he could actually console Jesus' heart, because that's something that was, it's really hard for us. Isn't Jesus happy in heaven? But I can tell you, this these two pages are a teaser, because this whole second book that he goes into, the fact that, yes, we can console Jesus, through others, through the body of Christ, but he's the head. And what he talks about, and without going into too much detail, but just retroactive consolation, that when Jesus was on the cross... Outside of time, more, the better word, maybe. I have a hard enough time finishing things without you making me want to do something else. <laughs> this, but it, it, even just reading it simultaneously has uh-huh. just opened my eyes to what consoling Jesus' heart is. It makes the Mass come alive. It makes mm-hmm. um, prayers oh. come alive. That we are actually, like Jesus knew from the, when he was on the cross, 
all the things that we would that would break his heart and that the things that we're doing now do you know what we're doing now together is consoled Jesus at the time that he was on the cross again it's outside of of time because God's not bound by time, by time but the second book goes into this and, and it may seem confusing but it will help this page come alive well and i think what is simple is be the one be that person who will say, yes, like Mary did, I will help, I will comfort, I will sit with you when you're sick, I will help you when you're old. That, I just love that logo. In fact, I'm going to start printing t-shirts that say, be the one, because <laughs> I think it's just such a great little short, pithy statement. I do want to put a little note in here, too, that that is part of our intention after we finish 33 Days to Morning Glory, is to do a podcast on Consoling the Heart of Jesus. So stay tuned. That's going to come. In the meantime, though, as we're finishing up our Marian consecration and reviewing this each day, it'll really prepare us for whatever God has next for us in our lives. You know, for some of us, it might be going on doing another study. For some of us, it might be a real challenge or an illness or a difficulty or, or something that's coming up in our lives. But regardless, we don't know the future, but we know the one who knows the future. And we can rest in the fact that as we are preparing to consecrate, Mary has us by the hand. And this week's prayer that we are called to pray every day is the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate, Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. I'd like to invite you to get your copy of the retreat materials that we are using for the 33-day preparation for Marian consecration at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's the numbers 33daystomorningglory.com. Real Life Radio is a listener-supported radio station. We would like to invite you to become a part of our family. By supporting this ministry, you can make a pledge right here on the podcast page or visit realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. They've established a rather unique sharing program with their Care to Share program. It's really very interesting. Why don't you visit the site and check it out to learn more? Next up on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, we are going to go through the retreat companion for the 33 Days to Morning Glory preparation. We are preparing to receive Jesus in our hearts, minds, and souls as we consecrate to our Lord through His Mother. We'll be back with those questions from the workbook with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster right after this on Real Life Radio.
Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are working on our 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat, and we are getting into the retreat companion. You can get your copy of these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. Question number one on day 21, which is on page 83 of the retreat companion. Mother Teresa urges you to be the one to console Jesus who thirsts for the love of the souls he so desires to save. Mary is the one who best understands this thirst and the need to comfort Jesus. What might Mary say to you to help you better understand Jesus' thirst? When I hear you read this question, Mary, I'm, I'm thinking of that tagline being in the school of Mary that comes from uh, St. Pope John Paul II's encyclical on the rosary. And that's a school I definitely want to be in. And so as we're contemplating this, I think one thing to keep in mind, this whole idea of consoling Jesus who thirsts for love of souls that he desires to save, we console Jesus as the head of the body, the mystical body of Christ, and we console Jesus in all of our brothers and sisters on this earth who make up the body of the mystical body of Christ. We're all united, and if we kind of have that image in place, that Jesus is the head, and just as the head goes, so does the body go, the head directs the body, then I think that's very helpful because a lot of people in this day and age, it's like they want to be me and Jesus, me and Jesus. They like the head, they like God, but then, oh, don't make me talk to that neighbor next door to me that drives me crazy and does weird things. And it's got to be both and because Christ is in that neighbor that drives us crazy. And Mother Teresa She is the best, I think, example of maybe any of the saints of loving that neighbor who is the mystical body of Christ. So really in our prayer time this week, I think we need to ask Mother Teresa's intercession to help us understand. In that previous day, Mary Beth, one of the, they said, bad breath, smelly situations, dirty. That's what Mother Teresa lived in and worked in, and those are the people she loved in those circumstances. And it, the last part of the question, what might Mary say to you to help better understand Jesus' thirst? It's really important to understand it wasn't thirst for water. That, you know, we think of thirst for water that he, you know, obviously, he, but he was well past that at that point. And, you know, just taking maybe a mystery of the rosary, um, just being at the cross, with Mary and doing um, just one decade and putting yourself with Mary and taking that time just to imagine yourself and know that his heart was longing for love and all he must have gone through with people spitting at him and and mockery and, and just the brutality of what he went through and that all along he did this for us and he did it for you and me. 2,000 years ago, what happened, we can't comprehend it. It's a mystery. But that we have that ability to console him and to be with Mary. Um, and, and, and Lexio Divina, just, just imagining yourself through prayerful scripture can really help with that. We do need to move on to question number two. Mary is the best consoler of Jesus because she is the spouse of the Holy Spirit, who is also called to who is also called the consoler and the comforter that comes from the scriptures, John 14 and 15 and 16. What do these titles of the Holy Spirit tell us about God's relationship with us? What do they tell us about Mary's relationship to Jesus and to each of us about her relationship to you? I love these titles of the Holy Spirit. I love to think of him as the consoler, 
as the comforter. Those are words I think we all, those of us who have had good parents, think of our parents in those terms possibly, you know, a mom or dad who was able to comfort us when we were sick or down or tired or console us through our difficulties in life. And and that is how the Holy Spirit does live in our lives. And Mary, as the spouse of the Holy Spirit, brings those attributes out and she lived them, she experienced them, and she wants those to be part of our life. So when you're thinking of who would best understand the thirst of Jesus, it's going to be Mary. It's going to be, she would be most able to console Jesus. And as he was suffering and dying on that cross, I can't, no one else would have brought him more relief. And yet at the same time, I'm sure it was very hard for him to be there in front of his mother in that state of nakedness and being beaten and the the dichotomy of what the reality was of him saving the entire world and what it looked like that day to people who were actually walking by and seeing him there. And the Holy Spirit as the consoler and comforter, you know, as the Holy Spirit is the one that makes present the the, tr- the true body and blood of Jesus Christ on the um, on the altar, um, as we receive the sacraments through our church and receive this grace, that we are able to be comforted, we are able to be cleansed of our sin, we are able to just be made white and pure again. And uh, that close union with Mary, that Mary is united to the Holy Spirit, just tells us about our whole, it's just this whole close connection with, with all of it. Let's be clear, this is a deep mystery. You know, how the Holy Spirit can be the spouse to Mary, the fact that he came upon her and and that is how she conceived Jesus, the Trinity itself as a three persons in one God. These these are very, very deep mysteries, and we're not theologians, obviously, but just because they're mysteries doesn't mean we can't study them and ponder them and reflect on them and open them up a lot more. And one of the great aids to this whole pondering of the Trinity for me has been Father Michael Gately's book, The One Thing is Three, where he really takes apart the Trinity, so to speak, and and explains it and delves into the mystery, and he does so with lay people in mind. That's, that's helped a tremendous amount. But the basis of all the relationships of the three persons of the Trinity is love, and the bond of love between the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So we know when we're talking about these questions of Mary being the best consoler of Jesus, is here we have love himself, Jesus on the cross, with his mother, who is this very particularly beautiful creature created by God, the Holy Trinity. And what a great way for us to reflect on on her life with him and to get close to Mary to understand better her son. Julie, you've mentioned a couple of different books, some today and some yesterday, Consoling the Heart of Jesus and The One is Three. Where can we get copies of these books? You can find out more about them on our blog, 33daystomorningglory.com. And what Father Gately has done, Mary, with these books is he's actually put them together in what's called the Hearts of Fire Parish Program. And the whole idea is to really train up the laity and empower the laity to be force multipliers to help our priests and bishops and our Holy Fathers call to a new evangelization by training up the people in the pews to go make a difference in their parishes, in their communities, in their families. And so as you um, 
we're starting off with the first book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. We're consecrating to Jesus through Mary. Then the second book is Consoling the Heart of Jesus, which uh, takes us into the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Divine Mercy. And then the third part of the Hearts of Fire Parish program is called Wisdom and Works of Mercy, which has its focus on learning about the Trinity in the book, The One Thing is Three, and then taking that out to the community and the parish and doing acts of mercy and love uh, with the help of the book, You Did It to Me, also by Father Michael Gately. It's a tremendous way to learn your faith better and become more participative in your parish and community. I can't recommend it enough. We're going to sneak out a little bit early during this break. I do have the Memorari, which is our weekly prayer. We have a few minutes here. I'm going to sneak in the song of the Memorari sung by Danielle Rose right here on Real Life's Radio's Living Witnesses. Lord, thy heart. 
Life Radio's Living Witnesses. We are continuing now with questions three and four in our retreat companion for the 33 Days to Morning Glory book that was written by Father Michael Gately. Question number three reads, Jesus speaks in the gospel of his longing to gather Jerusalem as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings for comfort. But they wouldn't accept it. That's referenced in Luke 13, 34. What is so important about consolation that God the Holy Spirit names himself the counselor or comforter? Whom do you console in your personal relationships? How do you do it? Do any of those you seek to console refuse you? If so, how does it make you feel? Does it make you wonder that the first moment that we come out of our mother's womb, we are screaming and need to be consoled? Um, obviously, it's a, it's a part of human nature and dynamics and, and all of that. But, um, yeah, who do we console in our personal relationships? Well, if you're a mother, with that hat that you wear in every way, shape, and form from, you know, physical boo-boos to emotional traumas to breakups with boyfriends to not getting into schools and all that kind of stuff. And, yes, and sometimes I do it well and sometimes I don't do it so well. <laughs> so. Well, and let's look, let's look at that scripture just for a minute here, Luke thirteen thirty four. It's titled, The Lament Over Jerusalem. And our Lord is saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent those sent to you, how many times have I yearned to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were unwilling. Uh, that just breaks your heart to hear our Lord going to Jerusalem. This is coming up before his, his death and, and resurrection, but he's just lamenting over the fact that he has tried and tried, the prophets have tried, there's been this whole back and forth of, of trying to save the world, and, and yet the, the religious leaders, they just turn their heads and, and they're unwilling. And so many times um, we've been that person who's turned away and, and has been unwilling to receive the love and, that God wants to give us. But then also, as the question is asking, how, what happens when you're trying to console someone or help someone and they refuse you? And and how does that make you feel? I think that's really getting to the question of what did our Lord feel in that? And of course, you know, we're just sharing our own answers here, but obviously that would make you feel rotten if you're trying to help someone and, and they want to do it their own way or they don't want to be consoled or they want to stick in that bad place that they're at. It's really a, a tough situation. And it breaks your heart to see them in that place. And I think just listening is probably the number one thing that's part of just consoling someone. Um, and I think that's what our Lord does with us with our prayer time. You know, just listening, oftentimes just being present and hearing. What, most often people just want to be able to either, if they're upset about something and angry, they want to vent it out. If they're um, dealing with uh, maybe the death of someone or sickness of someone, you just need to be present just to listen. And of course, that physical touch of, of just being able to embrace them. Oftentimes, you know, yeah, we may get to some words or things that they may need to hear, but oftentimes it's just not even saying anything. Well, and part of that question where it's saying, does someone refuse you that you're seeking to console? I think when words are many, there is that refusal. You know, somebody can just put their hand up and say, you know, enough already. They don't want to hear from us. Um, But when we are in that posture of listening and letting them share and letting them 
tell us what's going on. I think that's a much more effective way, Mary Beth, that you're pointing out to, to be consoling to someone. It can really be a difficult situation, though, because a lot of times people who refuse consoling are refusing it because they don't want to change. They don't want to look inside and make those adjustments and changes that need to happen from the inside first. And when you're on the outside looking in and you can see all it takes is repentance on their part. All it takes is for them to put aside their false gods and embrace God's mercy and God's love and forgive And their refusal to do so is very destructive in their lives. It certainly does make, Julie, that scripture that you read very relatable. We too lament for our loved ones who are blind, who are closed-minded, just as God does in that scripture passage. And that's where we have to just trust in God. You know, Jesus, I trust in you in this situation. I'm not able to be the person they need at this point. Uh, but I know that you are, and I trust that you work out this situation for your glory and the proper timing that you see fit. Well, in real life, practical life, I mean, oftentimes it's other people, say if it's your children or whatever, they may not hear it from you or they don't want to listen to you, but they'll take the same advice from somebody else. And it's truly just, I mean, knowing that Jesus encountered this, um, you know, a lot of the saints encountered this, it just gives you that ability to sometimes just back down, trust like Julie said, and realize that continue to say and say the truth to them, but there may be another person that their ears will listen to. And one of the things I always pray for for my kids is good friends, good friends, good mentors, good teachers, because I know, just like you were saying, they're not always going to be able to hear what their parents are saying, but I'm I'm always begging God for those backup people, you know, those those friends or teachers or mentors that can really just get them on the right track in, in a way that they are open to listening to. Go on to question number four. Mother Teresa describes the greatest evil as lack of love and charity. She and the missionaries of charity put love of Jesus and of others first. Ask yourself, among your personal acquaintances, who needs your love to avoid loneliness? Who are those nearest to you who need your love expressed to them? And how often do you express your love of Jesus directly to them? Well, one of the quotes I just want to mention that Mother Teresa had when she visited the United States, that she said that the poverty in America is far greater than what she experiences in India. And I'm, you know, I'm not, that's not her direct quote, but basically she was talking about the poverty in America of, of, the, of the heart, of just that we have so much wealth and so much here, and yet there was just so, uh, the poverty of just that. The it's a spiritual Lord. poverty. Yeah, exactly, spiritual poverty. But, um, you know, when, when it's talking about who are your personal acquaintances, who you need to love to avoid loneliness, I, I think oftentimes of when in my work as a physical therapist, the elderly always was something that just kind of always touched my heart, especially at, when my father was in um, an assisted living and just looking at the loneliness that the elderly experience, um, loss of physical function, maybe loss of their spouse of so many years. There's so many things. And even just, I remembered going and visiting a nursing home with my little girls when they were real little, just to bring joy because I felt that attachment to that kind of population, just helping the elderly. So that for me really speaks out as the elderly. 
They are very often times lonely, even when they're in a, a group home or assisted living or something like that, surrounded by people, but they're separated from their own families. And as you said, possibly the ability to communicate or, or to live that, that full life. And I think that's why that's one of the corporal works of mercy. And in Matthew 25, our Lord tells us the corporal works of mercy. So we know that we're supposed to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty. But one of the key ones in there is to, when I was sick, you visited me. When I was imprisoned, you visited me. And, and sometimes for our, our elderly relatives and brothers and sisters in Christ, being in a nursing home or assisted living or even just living alone at their own residence, that is a kind of prison because they're very oftentimes limited in what they can do and where they can go out. Uh, my own dad is not driving anymore, so when we come to help him and visit him, that is, that's a, I hope, a tremendous joy to him. <laughs> Pope Francis said recently on his Catechesis of the Family, he said, where the elderly are not honored, there is no future for the young. He said it is a mortal sin to discard our elderly. He warned, we will be old someday, and if we do not look after them with respect, we will be treated in the same way. Well, this list can go on and on um, with consoling uh, people. There are so many people in need of comfort, and I'm sure those that are listening, you know, whether they've lost someone, so many situations that we can be that one. We can be that one to be a listening ear, to just stop what we're doing, stop our busyness, and, and just if somebody starts opening up and, and opens up their heart. I've been in situations where people just sometimes open up something that's going on, and I just stop what I'm doing, and I, and I know, like, I've got a place to be or whatever, and, and, but it just stopping for that moment and being the one for that person is such a huge gift. One of the things I tell my kids all the time is it's really a lot more fun to be with the cool people, with the glamorous people, with the people that have something going on. And, and in their situations right now in their lives, they're students. I always try to encourage them, look around that playground and who's the kid that doesn't have a friend? Go with him, play with him. Who's the kid at lunch that doesn't have somebody that he sits with every day at lunch? It's hard, but walk over there and sit with him. And I, I, don't, I don't know that they do it, at all or perfectly or some of the time, but I think that's the, the same lesson goes back to us. Let's look for that one that's kind of on the outskirts and not right in the, the gang of the people that we're with and we want to be with. Julie, those are such valuable lessons to teach our kids. And if they can just embrace that, if they can practice that and make that a habit now, it will take them so far in this world in a spiritual way becoming servants of the Lord. It's a beautiful lesson. That's going to wrap up our question segment of the program for today. Coming up next, we are going to take a look at the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort. We're going to look at the prayers that he prayed, the readings that he read, as he went through his preparation for consecration to our Lord through Our Lady, right here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Lord, thy help or sought thy 
de Montfort's readings, meditations, and prayers on day 21 of consecration. This first reading comes from The Secret of Mary, True Devotion to Our Blessed Lady. And I'm going to read that for you today. If we go up to God and be united with him, we must use the same means he used to come down to us to be made man and to impart his graces to us. This means a true devotion to our Blessed Lady. There are several true devotions to Our Lady. Here I do not speak of those which are false. The first consists of fulfilling our Christian duties, avoiding mortal sin, acting more out of love than with fear, praying to Our Lady now and then, honoring her as the Mother of God, yet without having any special devotion to her. The second consists of entertaining for Our Lady more perfect feelings of esteem and love of confidence and veneration. It leads us to join the confraternities of the Holy Rosary and of the scapular to recite the five or 15, which in today's time, it would be 20 decades of the rosary to honor Mary's images and altars to publish her praises and to enroll ourselves in her modalities. This devotion is good, holy and praiseworthy. If we keep ourselves free from sin, but it is not perfect as the next nor so efficient in serving our soul from creatures and detaching ourselves in order to be united with Jesus Christ. The third devotion to Our Lady, known and practiced by very few persons, is this I am about to disclose to you, predestinate soul. It consists in giving oneself entirely and as a slave to Mary and to Jesus through Mary to do all that we do through Mary with Mary, in Mary, and for Mary. We should choose a special feast day on which we give, consecrate and sacrifice to Mary, voluntarily, lovingly, and without constraints, entirely and without reserve, our body and soul, our exterior property, such as house, family, and income, and also our interior and spiritual possessions, namely our merits, graces, virtues, and satisfactions. Now, the first prayer of St. Louis has in his devotion is the litany of the Holy Ghost. We're going to take a few minutes now and pray that litany together. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Father, all-powerful, have mercy on us. Jesus, eternal Son of the Father, Redeemer of the world, save us. Spirit of the Father and the Son, boundless life of both, sanctify us. Holy Trinity, hear us. Holy Ghost, who precedest the Father and the Son, enter our hearts. Holy Ghost, who are equal to the Father and the Son, enter our hearts. Promise of God the Father, have mercy on us. Ray of heavenly light, have mercy on us. Author of all good, have mercy on us. Source of heavenly water, have mercy on us. Consuming fire, have mercy on us. Ardent charity, have mercy on us. Spiritual unction, have mercy on us. Spirit of love and truth, have mercy on us. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, have mercy on us. Spirit of counsel and fortitude, have mercy on us. Spirit of knowledge and piety, have mercy on us. Spirit of fear of the Lord, have mercy on us. Spirit of grace and prayer, have mercy on us. Spirit of peace and meekness, have mercy on us. Spirit of modesty and innocence, have mercy on us. Holy Ghost, the Comforter, have mercy on us. Holy Ghost, the Sanctifier, have mercy on us. Holy Ghost, who governs the church. Holy Ghost, who governs the church, have mercy on us. Gift of God Most High, have mercy on us. Spirit who fills the universe, have mercy on us. Spirit of adoption of the children, have mercy on us. Holy Ghost, inspire us with horror of sin. Holy Ghost, come and renew the face of the earth. Holy Ghost, shed the light in our souls. Holy Ghost, engrave thy law in our hearts. 
Holy Ghost, inflame us with the flame of thy love. Holy Ghost, open to us the treasures of your graces. Holy Ghost, teach us to pray well. Holy Ghost, enlighten us with your heavenly inspirations. Holy Ghost, lead us in the way of salvation. Holy Ghost, grant us the only necessary knowledge. Holy Ghost, inspire in us the practice of good. Holy Ghost, grant us the merits of all virtues. Holy Ghost, make us persevere in justice. Holy Ghost, be our everlasting reward. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, send us your Spirit. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, pour down into our souls the gifts of the Spirit. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, grant us the spirit of wisdom and piety. Come, Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Let us pray. Grant, O merciful Father, that your divine spirit may enlighten, inflame, and purify us, that he may penetrate us with his heavenly dew and make us fruitful in good works through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who with you in the unity of the same spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. His next prayer that he prays is the Litany of Laredo. And we're going to listen to the song being sung by Donna Corey Gibson. You can find it at her website, DonnaCoreyGibson.com. While we ponder questions one and two from 33 Days to Morning Glory's Retreat Companion. Question number one is what might Mary say to you to help you better understand Jesus's thirst? And question number two, what do the titles of the Holy Spirit tell us about God's relationship with us? What do they tell us about Mary's relationship to Jesus and to each of us and about her relationship to you?
up is Ave Maria Stellas, and this one's being sung by Marian Grace. Question number three reads, what is so important about consolation that God, the Holy Spirit, names himself the counselor or comforter? Whom do you console in your personal relationships? How do you do it? Do any of those you seek to console refuse you? If so, how does it make you feel? And question number four, among your personal acquaintances, who needs your love to avoid loneliness? Who are those nearest to you who need your love expressed to them? And how often do you express your love of Jesus directly to them? Isn't it?